The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. likes food? Who in here likes food? Okay, yeah, some, some, yeah, okay. All right, I love food, you know, evidenced by the amount of real estate I take up. I love food, but what makes me like food is really the seasoning in food. So if food is bland, you know, you're not eating to survive, right? But for me to like it, it's the seasoning. So I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm trying to get a feel of each service here. I want you to tell me which, what seasonings you like, your most favorite type of seasonings. Okay? Who said, who's, if you said salt and pepper, you cannot play this game. That, that's, that's not seasoning, okay? That's salt and pepper. That's, that's exactly why it's like that, okay? All right? So my favorite is, is Cajun, and, and I put it on everything. My wife asks me, why do you do that? Because the label says great on everything. So... I just go ahead and put in everything and it tastes great. So we're going to be talking about Jesus being salt and light of the earth. And so I've just kind of got to set us up for that. And, and I want you to see what Jesus meant when he said that we are the salt and the light. So let's just pray real quickly. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for this time that you have blessed us with. Each and every one of us that came through those doors, through these doors, is searching it doesn't matter whether we were thinking it or whether we we're planning it, but we are searching. We are searching for you and the answers to life. And so I pray that as we break bread this morning, as we share in your word, that, Father, you would answer that search. That you would give a word that we will have understanding of it in our minds, Lord. That we would not be lost in the weeds of things, but we'll have understanding. And I pray that there'll be conviction in our hearts to believe, to create a positive confession out of our tongue. For in this moment, Lord, in our time, we are so needed. And you need us. You want us to know your truth. And so I pray that a seed is planted in each of our hearts today and it will bear fruit and fruit that lasts some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. And everything that comes from the table of men, I pray that it falls to the ground and it yields nothing. We honor you and praise you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're continuing our series on Kingdom Manifesto, and Pastor Josh did an excellent job on laying out on the Beatitudes. But I think it's important for us to understand that this is a continuation of a message and not something that's chopped up into different times and different moments. It's not like he preached the Beatitudes at the 11 a.m. service and then in another service he then preaches about being salt and light. Everything is connected. It's one thing. And so in understanding the Beatitudes, I'm just going to lay a little brick on top of what Pastor Josh has already done so that we can have a better appreciation of where salt and light is coming from. And so if you look at the Beatitudes, it's often easy to look at them as, as like awards, like certain section of people who have a session, a certain anointing to do a thing, are blessed in a particular way, a different from the other. So it would be easy to say like Molly right here sitting over here, she's meek, so she gets the meek blessing. 
And I, I, I hunger in righteousness. I struggle with meekness, but I hunger in righteousness. So I get that. And, and Josh Romano gets the persecution because he can handle that. So it, it seems like it becomes easy to separate them like that and, see, and assume that one person is stronger in another. Also, you, can, you actually set yourself up for failure. In, in, in my thinking, you set yourself up for failure when you go, I'm going to go home and just try and work hard on being meek. Or I'm going to go home and work hard on mourning. Or I'm going to go home and I'm going to work hard on hungering for righteousness. I think you set yourself up for failure. But what you can do is actually laid out in the very first beatitude. So the very first beatitude is talking about kingdom and entering into the kingdom of God. And so he lays it out for us. So what we want to look at before we get into salt and light is the nature of citizenship. The nature of citizenship. So the first beatitude, which is Matthew chapter 5 and 3, says... Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So to understand poor in spirit and how you have a part to play in that, because that kind of sets you up to actually get the rest of the Beatitudes, because it is a posture and a position of your heart and conviction. That's what the Beatitudes are talking about. So, so the first one kind of, kind of lays it up. So to understand this better, anybody into horse movies? Wow. The ones that are like kind of half raising their hand, I don't want to be known. <laughs> Man, they're awesome. Secretariat, anybody? Secretariat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Black Beauty? Yeah, War Horse, anybody? Yeah, these are good movies. Man, sometimes, new song, I get worried about you. Every time I bring up a movie, y'all don't know it. Come on, help me out. But anyway, in these movies, you kind of see horses, and, 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 and they're usually trying to be tamed out of the wild. So you've got the master trying to tame the horse so that you know, they can get it to do what they're wanting it to do. And you see the horse vehemently expressing not wanting to be tamed, not wanting to be brought to submission. And so the horse is neighing, and it's kicking out, and it's expressing, no, I don't want this. I want to be free. Let me go. And, 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 and the wording that is used there is that this horse has spirit right it has spirit now so to be low in spirit is actually the opposite of that right in other words you are yielded you allow yourself to be yielded so what this horse doesn't realize is that the master is trying to say i need you to yield because what i have for you is food that is readily made that you don't have to run around looking for this food in the same sense you got water you got a barn that's comfortable you got uh, uh, shoes for your hooves so that you're not hurt or injured so what the master what the person who's trying to subdue the horse is doing is trying to bring it to a good place but because the horse doesn't understand that and is filled with fear and uncertainty it begins to fight against it. So in the same manner, you and I, God is saying, I'm trying to bring you into a kingdom where I have everything set for you, where I show you the beauty of who you are because I created you, where I can show you the blessing that is set aside for you. But in order for you to get in there, you've got to yield. You've got to yield so that you are a citizen of God. A citizen of the kingdom of heaven. So once you get that, once you yield and you allow yourself to break and you say, King, speak to me. Everything that exists about my life flows and comes from the king. Then you set yourself up for success to be meek, to hunger in righteousness, to mourn. And all of those come into place because you are allowing yourself to be broken before the master. It's kind of difficult for us to understand this because we live in a democratic or capitalist society. In a democratic society, what do we say? For the people, by the people, right? I know there's a third one, but I always forget it, so I left it out of my notes, okay? 
for the people or by the people. Which means in my mind, in a democratic society, I'm voting for a leader that champions what's good for me. So if I am into oil, I'm gonna vote for somebody who champions oil because I know it's gonna make me rich and wealthy. So yeah, go for it. Because it's gonna benefit me. If I'm into clean energy, I'm gonna get no, oil is terrible, ah! And I'm gonna champion clean energy. And I'm gonna say, no, don't do oil. And I'm gonna champion that because it's a benefit for me. And so with a democratic mindset, it's all about me. It's for me and it is by me. But in a kingdom, it has got nothing to do with me and everything to do with the king. And the king is the one that directs everything. The land that I am to own, is, it comes from the king. Even the way I dress comes from the king. Everything about my life, the kind of food that I eat, everything comes from the king when you're in a kingdom. So he's saying, yield and come into my kingdom and I will show you the perfect way. I will show you how it's done and set you up. And so when you have all that together, all that together, all that whole beatitude, and you have that attitude in your heart, now you are salt. Okay? Salt is made up of different components, right? The most popular being sodium chloride. That's two different elements that come together to make salt. When you have all of that and the beatitudes together, it creates you and I being called the salt of the earth. So many times when we listen to this, again, we're looking at the function of salt. Look at what does salt do? But I believe Jesus wanted us to understand this, but understand this in a different way than most of the times that we hear it. Because the kind of salt that we're always thinking about is our table salt, which is sodium chloride. But I think God, or Jesus, when he was talking about this, was wanting us to see different elements or different functions of salt than we are uh, daily accustomed to. So let's read it together. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. So the Bible reads, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. So we want to look at the function of salt. Okay? The first thing that I want you to understand here is salt is just salt. Yeah, great point, right? <laughs> Slide it on right there. I worked hard on that one. It took me about 45 minutes to get there. <laughs> but think about it. Have you ever gone into the salt, into your cabinet, pulled out salt, and it's been sitting there for a while? When you start trying to pour it out, does it change? It still stays salt, doesn't it? So you, as citizens of the kingdom, are citizens of the kingdom. There is nothing more you can do to salt to make it salt. It already is. There is nothing more that needs to be done to you to be a citizen of God. You are a citizen of God, once you, a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, once you are yielded to the king. There's nothing more. That needs to be done. So just by you existing makes you salt. But we, we will lose out on what Jesus is trying for us to understand if we just read this from Matthew's perspective. You see, Matthew writes to a predominantly Jewish audience, so he doesn't go on to explain the function of salt that Jesus is talking about. But Luke, however, writes to a predominantly Gentile 
audience. That means people that are not Jews. So he goes a little further to helping us understand which functions of salt that Jesus was talking about. So go on with me to Luke chapter 14, verse 35 to 34. And the Bible reads, salt is good. But if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill. But men throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So Luke explains here what functions of salt Jesus was directly expressing when he said, you and I are the salt of the earth. Now, to get a better appreciation of this, in Jewish culture and custom, they would harvest salt from the Dead Sea. If you go to the Dead Sea, there's so many different types of salts. Sodium chloride, our table salt, is one of them. There's also magnesium, which is another type. And then there's the third type, one of the many types, but the one that Jesus was really talking about, which is potassium chloride. And potassium chloride, or potash, is used in fertilization. So if you understand anything about gardening or farming, I don't, so I had to research it. There are three different types, there are three Three elements that make up a fertilizer. Number one is nitrates. Number two, phosphate. And number three, potassium chloride. You did not know you were coming to a chemistry class today, did you? Okay. So the nitrates are there for the roots and allows the roots to be strong. The phosphate is there for the leaves. And the potassium chloride, which is the salt, is what causes the flower to blossom or to bear fruit. It causes the flower to blossom or to bear fruit. And so we want to look at that. The first thing. So this is what he says. When he says you are the salt of the earth. He is using salt in meaning a salt that is used on the land or the earth or the soil. That's what he's talking about here. And so when he says that. He's trying to show us that when we exist on this earth. We help life blossom. Just by being citizens, just by having the Beatitudes down and we exist on this earth, we help life blossom. We cause things to happen. God attaches a blessing wherever it is you are because you are his, because you are a citizen of his kingdom. He attaches a blessing to it. You don't have to do anything extra for this blessing to happen. It happens because God chooses to put a blessing on you. Okay, this is a Bible-believing church, so people want evidence of this stuff. Okay, so I'm going to give it to you. All right? Genesis chapter 39, verses 5 and 6. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing, except what kind of food to eat. Question, was Potiphar a Christian? Okay, this is where you respond. We're having a conversation. Was Potiphar a Christian? Did Potiphar fear God? Okay, he was Egyptian. He did not care about this Hebrew God. But what does the Bible say? Who was blessed? Okay, these people here are in church, okay? Come on with me, all right? Who was blessed? Okay, 15 people are now with me. You're going to wake up this morning. Who was blessed? Potiphar was blessed. And why was he blessed? It was because of Joseph. 
So what I'm trying to tell you is that in your places of influence, you're in, where, you, where you work, your business, when you go to school, wherever it is you go, you have a blessing that is attached on you simply by being. That you don't have to do anything extra. But again, we are all caught up in the things that we do wrong. How terrible we are. How bad we are. How pathetic I am because I don't get this right. I don't think the way I ought to think. We're always condemning ourselves and our thought. And so the blessing is right in front of us. And we cannot see it because our minds have not accepted this truth. That we are blessed of God simply by being in his kingdom. See, I believe this stuff. So whenever I walk into Walmart, man, the blessing of the Lord is here. Yeah, when I step into Target, man, whoo, they're blessed in here. Ain't nothing bad gonna happen. So my wife and I recently went on a trip to Seattle and they had this whale watching stuff, right? So my wife's like, oh, I wanna see a whale, I wanna see a whale. I was like, all right, cool, cool. At least I can see, I've seen a whale before I die. Okay, let's go. So we go onto this boat and then they're giving us this spiel and they say, hey, listen, sometimes we go for hours and we don't see a whale and we might end up seeing one or two the previous tour we only caught one. And I said, the blessing of the Lord is here. Okay? Because God attaches a blessing just simply by being. Okay? So we go out. We were not but 30 minutes in. We come to this spot. There were six whales doing their thing, dancing. And everyone's going, ooh, ah. Oh, and I was like, Jesus. Jesus. I roll with Jesus. Look at that blessing. And I was like, yeah, I'm done taking pictures. Y'all can enjoy the rest of this thing, but you are welcome. Okay? So what I'm trying to tell you is that the things in your company, in your business can grow a blessed because you are there. Okay? This is not for you to then go to your boss and say, hey, listen. You're blessed. Because I'm here. All right? Greater is he that is in me than he that's in you. So that's why you're being blessed. No, because there's that meekness thing under the Beatitudes. But what I want you to understand is the reason why sometimes we don't experience this blessing in the places that we are is we're so busy praying about our own issues that we even forget to speak a blessing over the companies that we're at, over the schools that we go to. Because we're so locked into thinking, I don't have, my debt is great, my kids are acting wild, my family is this, and we're locked up into just thinking that. But he's saying, you are fertilizer. You cause things to blossom just by simply being mine. Put that on your mind so that no matter where you go, speak the blessing of God. Speak the blessing of God. Because that is who you are. So another thing he says is that we exist on this earth because we help to f- the, the fruit to grow. So that either the flower is blossoming or the fruit is growing. Okay? Now, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, Self-control. These are not defined by the, by the world, but defined by God. What I just mentioned to you there is the fruit of the Spirit. When the world starts defining what love is, you begin to have moral decay in our society. Because the true definition of love comes only from God. It was not man who said, let us love one another. It was God. 
Similarly, it was not man who actually said, thou shalt not kill. If everybody agrees with that, we shouldn't kill each other, right? Everybody agrees with that, non-controversial. It wasn't man who said that. It was God. So that means you and I bear the fruit of the Spirit in us. Do you understand? And so then wherever we are, we give definition to what that is. Because we carry the Holy Spirit in us. When we don't allow ourselves to be saints, when we're lost in our own issues so much, and we worry. I mean, Christians don't worry, right? <laughs> we don't worry, right? But when we worry, you know the Bible says, right? Do not worry about these things, because your heavenly Father knows that you need of them. And all these things will be added unto you. Worry stops all the things being added. When we worry and we don't allow the fruit of the Spirit to exude out of us, which is love, which is patience, which is joy in a world that is hurting, and we don't show that joy, people don't have the opportunity to see the fruit blossom. You know, the scripture says, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent lay hold of it. Or violent men pursue it. You know what that means? That means that the kingdom of God is so attractive that people are violently trying to get in. But why do we not see that? Perhaps it's because they don't see the fruit in us. Perhaps it's because they don't, we don't allow the Holy Spirit, wherever we go, to be expressed. You know, when I said what I was saying, that I'm, I'm, I'm the blessing that wherever I go, I'm a blessing of God. Somebody could look at that and say, man, that dude is so full of pride. But I'll tell you what pride is. Pride is, Lord, I'm not good enough. Lord, I don't deserve. Lord, I'm bad. Lord, nothing good ever happens to me. That's pride. You know why? Because you're telling God, I know myself better than you know me. You're telling God. I'm better at the definition of who I am. I'll tell you how well I can function, God. You don't tell me how I can function. You're not yielded. You're being like the horse with spirit. You're thinking it's humility. They call it false humility. When our false humility is pride. The opposite of humility is? So if it's false humility, what else can it be? It's pride. I want you to accept yourself. Because God has already accepted you. We're contemplating bad things in our mind about ourselves. Entertaining things in our minds about ourselves. Looking down on us. Down on ourselves. When we continue to do that, we don't give the expression of the Holy Spirit and permission in our places of influence. And that's what God is calling us to do. The other thing here is he says that the salt is not good for the dunghill. So he talks about the land and the soil, which is a fertilizer. But he also says the dunghill. Now other translations will say manure, but I wanted to use the word dunghill so that you kind of get how the Jews would have seen this. So he is talking about manure, but he's not talking about animal manure. He's talking about human manure. So there were no latrines or sewage systems back in the day in, 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 in Israel. 
So what you would do is you go to the backyard, there's a heap of soil, and then you would do your business. And once you're done, there was a box of potassium chloride or salt that you would take and you would use that as a disinfectant. So number one, he's talking about a fertilizer. But the second meaning he's talking about is a disinfectant. Kind of like when you bake, baking soda has salts in it, they act as a disinfectant. So what does a disinfectant do? It causes things you don't want to grow to grow. So you and I, he's giving us a vivid picture that we are disinfectants. Because we exist in a world that has moral decay. But when we are there, we allow for the destruction of the earth not to happen. We allow for the toxic stuff not to spread. When I was back home, I was in an industry where bad jokes and coarse jokes were the run of the day. Cussing, all that bad stuff. But something interesting would happen. Whenever I came into the room, they would stop. And if I caught somebody say one or two words and they saw me, they'd go, oh, I'm sorry. Why? Because they knew I was a Christian. They knew that I believed in God. And I tried and I worked at living life at a higher standard and a higher level. But disinfectant, they stopped doing the bad conversations. Do you understand? Or even when I was invited to parties, they'd wait for me to leave. Then the real party would start. Because if I was there, they ain't about to party. So when I go, then I go, oh, man, you should have been there. And I was like, uh, no, uh, what? And, and then they'll tell me what happened. I'm like, what was going on? And they're like, no, we waited for you to get out of there because you can't handle it. <laughs> well, the truth is not I couldn't handle it. It's because they couldn't handle the anointing of God that was on me that did not give them permission to express themselves in the way that they did. What I'm saying to you is your places of influence, wherever it is you are, when you stand up and be who you truly are, men and women will not do bad things in front of you because you act as a disinfectant. Because you bring the level of morality higher and you say, this is the way, this is how it ought to be done. That's, how you, that's what you do. That's how you act as a disinfectant. And you realize that this earth is not destroyed simply because you and I exist in it. Because we are disinfectant. Because if things become infectious and they become bad, they need to be destroyed and thrown out. But this earth, this earth stays. It is not destroyed because you and I exist in it. Okay, Bible-believing church, you want scripture. I'll give it to you, okay? Genesis chapter 18. We're going to land on verse 32, but I want to give you the picture of Genesis 18. God's about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And God says to, God says to himself, man, I need to tell Abraham what I'm about to do. And so he tells Abraham. What does Abraham say? Well, what happens if there are 50 righteous people? Will you destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? What does God say? Okay, two people know the story. Okay. <laughs> He says, I need to, I'm going to destroy it. And Abraham says, what if there are 50 righteous people? Would you destroy it? God says, no. And Abraham goes, okay, maybe 50 might be a stretch because, you know, I'm trying to count on the top of my hand. I don't think I can get to 50. Let me bring it down just a little bit. What about 40? What does God say? No. Okay. He goes, 40. Hmm. Let me think this through. 40. 
There's that guy's house. I don't know about those guys. Let me bring you further down. 30, God says. 20, God says. And then we get to verse, 30, verse 32. Then he said, let not, let not the Lord be angry. And I will speak but once more. Suppose 10 should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 10. 10 righteous people existing in a city and the city is not destroyed. These 10 people might not be doing great evangelical work just because they have the Beatitudes down. They are citizens of the kingdom. God has made a promise that he will not destroy because we exist in this earth. Gen, uh, Matthew chapter 24, if you want further proof, right? He says, two women are at a mill and they're doing their thing. One is taken up. In other words, the Christians are removed before this earth is destroyed because you and I are disinfectants. Just by being. When we talk about evangelism and all those other things, that's another lesson. But I'm just trying to tell you, your existence is a blessing. Just you being here, it's a blessing. But there's a problem. Because salt has a kryptonite. I'm calling this the kryptonite of salt. You don't understand kryptonite, you have to know Superman. Okay, so Superman has all his powers from the sun, right? So because of the sun, he can do all these great and awesome things. He's super. He can fly. He can shoot light out of his eyes. He can punch you real bad, kind of like Romano on a good day. So <laughs> Superman is like that. But if you bring kryptonite, which is a mineral from Krypton, and you bring it to him in his presence, he loses his power. Okay, here's a question. Does he stop being Superman? So he remains Superman, but it's the kryptonite that is causing him to lose his power. So salt never changes. So how does salt lose its saltiness? Well, it becomes contaminated with other elements. That's how it loses its saltiness. So here's the problem. For this thing to work, for salt to have its effect as a fertilizer, or as a disinfectant, number one, it must have great quantity. It must have a good quantity. The reason why I am moving away from an understanding of salt as sodium chloride, the one that you sprinkle in your soup to make it tasty, not seasoning it, to make it tasty, right? You only sprinkle just a little bit. But when you're acting as a fertilizer, you need quite a bit. About 5% of potassium chloride has to be on the soil in order for you to get the results you want. So it has to exist in quantity. So this is what we do, right? I'm in a place, I'm working at this company. They're the most ungodly people I work for. And I'm trying to get out. I'm trying to move out and I'm looking for a Christian company so that we can pray in the morning, close it out in prayer and always say bless you and call each other sister and brother. <laughs> That's the company I wanna work for. Problem is, when you remove the salt, that place has lost the effects of your blessing. So instead of praying that God finds a new company for you, pray that he adds more salt. 
So you're here and you're thinking, oh, I'm about to leave. Well, I don't know if I'm talking to you. I don't know if this is prophetic. I'm not saying I'm speaking as a prophet. But I'm wanting to tell you to pray and say, God, I'm the only one who's a Christian here. Well, there's just two of us. Can you bring more? Because once there's 5%, just 5% of you in that company as Christians, it will change the social trend of that company. Because of God's blessing. And you know what the struggle is? I just said that. And the struggle here is, again, if you don't have a kingdom mindset, right? You're thinking, I don't know about that. 5%. How, does, how do you figure that out? I'm just telling you that when God's blessing is on a place, just like part of his house, there will be a blessing there. We want to change the world instead of removing ourselves away from places where we are needed. We need to add more people there. The, thing, the second thing is that it must have presence. Salt must have presence. It must have contact with the soil. If the salt is in a salt cellar, it's of no good. Even though it not be contaminated, it's still of no good because it's in a cellar or in a box, kind of like this box. If your faith ends in here, what effect is that? If your salt ends with you in here and in your group and everything that happens in this building, but when we go out there and I come to visit you at your place of employment, at your school, anywhere that you have influence and they have no idea that you're a believer, what good is that? How effective are you being? You must have presence. You must, we must associate with the places in the world. What does that mean? We need Christians in politics. But what do we say? Oh man, I don't think it's right for you to be a Christian and be a politician because those are... No, we need Christians in politics. When I say that, I'm talking about people that have the Beatitudes down, that are yielded to the king, that know the word of the king, that when they step in in a place of government, they will lead as the king wants him to lead. We need them in government. We need them in politics. We need them in sports. God knows we need them in Hollywood. We need Christians in there. That's why whenever there's a Christian movie, no matter how bad it is, I want to support it so that people know. <laughs> I'm believing for a change. Because the social trends of this nation, where we are going, where it seems we're going, it's like we are losing our saltiness. We're no longer being salty. And I don't mean mad, young people. We're losing the effects of salt. Because that's who we are. So right now, as God has said, this is how God puts it. And Jesus, again, in another place, he said, the harvest is plenty. Right? He didn't say there are few workers, man. You guys do the best you can. What did he say? Pray that the Lord does what? Sends more harvesters. Which is pray that the Lord adds more salt. That's adding you and I into places of influence instead of running away from it. I don't know why sometimes we seem to have in our mind that the thing that we have in our hearts, this Jesus that we have, man, he cannot handle it if the company is bad people. So we want to run away, stay away from the bad people. As if Jesus cannot handle it. 
I want us to return to a place of confidence in knowing that he who has called us has supplied everything that we need in order for us to live godly lives in the midst of wherever we are placed. Don't run. Don't run. Stand. You're salt. And if it ain't working, you just want to add more salt. Lord, we need more. Send more. That's the mission field. Right where you are, in your places of work. It's the mission field. We get trampled on by men, he said. And salt becomes no good when it is contaminated. We get trampled on by men. That's what happens now. We let men decide for us what is being a Christian or not. Have you ever heard somebody who's not a Christian say, aren't you supposed to be a Christian? (laughs) I'm thinking, when did you read the Bible to tell me what I'm supposed to be? (laughs) You had some televangelists say one thing, now you're trying to tell me how to be a Christian. But some of us then yield to that and go, yeah. And then we compromise, losing our saltiness. Aren't you supposed to love everybody? I do. I am. But what you're doing is not worth loving. To love you is to tell you to stop. It's to tell you there's a better way. Similarly with light. The The function of light. Number one, it exposes. John chapter 3 verse 19 to 21. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light. Least his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. I love, I love math. Anybody else here love math? Two, three. Oh, wow, wow. You know English is harder than math, right? <laughs> I'm telling you. The Pythagoras theorem is a Pythagoras theorem, whether in Zimbabwe, England, here, whatever. It, it remains the same. It's not the same with, Engl- with English. Some words don't mean the same thing, yet they're pronounced exactly the same. So English was tougher for me, and math is a lot easier because things are simple. So anyway, we're having this test. And I thought, I mean, I'm pretty good at this because I loved it. And we were doing um, differential equations. If you're into math, you'd know that. And I look at, the, I look at this question, and I'm saying, I can't figure it out. So I think in my mind when I'm looking at this question, something's wrong with the way it's questioned. Because I'm great at this. So I just, I'd solve this. But somehow I think the teacher messed it up. And so it's just not, it's just not right. There's a problem with this equation. So that's what I'm thinking. So at the end of the test, this guy solves it. He exposed me. He showed that I didn't know. I was thinking it's a problem with the teacher. No, the problem was with me. So he exposed me that I was ignorant. I did not know. That's what we do when we walk in light. There are people out there who think it's impossible to live a righteous life. One man, one woman, what are you talking about? That's not possible. I got feelings. How's it possible? You're telling me that's possible? No, but you do it. You expose 
It's the intentions of the flesh. You telling me you can be good to people that don't like you? Do good to those who hate you? This is biblical. You telling me it's possible? No, I got to tell them down. Tear them up one side or the other. Make them put themselves in their place. That's how I roll. You do it, you expose the intentions of the flesh. That's what light does. Oh, man. Everything I think is impossible. You are doing it. You're exposing. And you know what? This guy, when he solved that problem, okay, I started hating on him too. I was like, who he think he is coming up in here trying to act like he know everything? The guy never said a word to me. He wasn't bad to me. But I started having that feeling. Yeah, whatever. Right? But that's what the world does. That's how persecution comes about. So which means if we're not facing any kind of persecution, we're not giving permission for people to see the true light. Because that means, in my example, in my story, that means this guy would deliberately have to cause himself to fail that test in order to appease me so that I never feel like he's bad. That means you allow people to continue in their sins so that they feel that you're a great guy or a nice lady. And you're not exposing. That's why the Beatitudes tell us there will be persecution. The other thing that light does is that it reveals. You see, after you expose, you can't leave people there. They have to know that there is a better way and how you're doing it. See, Jesus never said, I am the salt of the earth. You realize that? He never said that. But he said, I am the light of the world. And then he also says, you are the light of the world. That's the one thing he said, that you and I are like him. Because we have the light in us. So when we expose, we also have to reveal. What do we reveal? We reveal Christ in us, the hope of glory. Because the truth of the matter is, if we are living or walking in righteousness, it's got nothing to do with you and I, but everything to do with the Christ in us. Because I don't know about you, but leave me alone. Set me aside from Christ. I am a wreck. I am a mess. The thing that I look at people and I judge and I say, oh, look at what they're doing. Oh, how can they do that? I am that. Only Christ in me shows me the way. I am no better. Do you understand? We are no better. So when you look at people, you're on those social platforms and you go, how dare they? What's wrong with them? They got to get... How are you doing it? The truth is, you're not doing it by yourself. You're doing it because of Christ in you. And this is how he puts it. Psalm 119 verse 105. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Who is the word? It is Jesus. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. and The word was God. So if there's anything good, anything right that is happening in your life, it's not because of you. It's just all you did was you yielded yourself to the king. And the king is expressing himself through you. So after you reveal, after you expose, you have to reveal. Because if you have the attitude that comes off as if you are the better, you're robbing people of the true blessing. 
That's why he tells the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he says, you guys traveled so far to convert one person, but after you convert that person, they're worse off. Why? Because they don't show that the power to walk a righteous life is through Jesus. You and I are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. How can light fail? John chapter 8, verse 1 to 11, is a summation of how this light works. I'm not going to ask you to turn there, but in John chapter 8, verse 1 to 11, is a narrative of a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. And so they gather her up, and they take her to Jesus, and they say, Master, teacher, Rabbi, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And according to the law of Moses, she needs to be stoned. Accusation. So Jesus is the light. And if you read that narrative, right after that is when he says, I am the light of the world. So Jesus does this. He exposes the intention of the accuser. When he says, if you are without sin, cast the first stone. He exposes the intention. Because they were not really looking for justice. They were not really looking for righteousness. And I'm asking you. I'm asking me. When we look at the world, we're so disgusted by things. Are we accusers? Do we cry for the world? Do we pray for our city? Pray for our leaders? Pray for the things that are happening within our society. Pray for the company that you're working for. Do you pray? Do you ask God, God, hey, I know things can be better here. Or do you wish that the company goes belly up so that the boss is put in his place? We wish politicians would fail so that they're put in their place and they would know what it feels like. It's our desire for them to have righteousness. Does Christ expose our intentions when we become judges of how people are acting? Now, I'm not saying because the world will come to you and say, don't judge, don't judge, don't judge. No, I'm not judging. I'm telling you what the word says and I'm telling you, don't do this because there's a better way. But when you just point, why are we pointing? Because then God exposes, right there, Jesus exposes the intention. He says, here's the light, here's the true light. You really don't want this woman to be stoned. You're just wanting to trap me. That's your heart. So if you're without sin, throw the first stone. But he doesn't leave it there. The woman stays. The one who has a right, the one who is without sin, asks this question. Where are your accusers? They're all gone. And what did he say? He says, I also do not accuse you. The one who can accuse, the one who has the right to accuse, the one without sin, he doesn't accuse. But he doesn't leave it there. He also then shows the way. Go and sin no more. So he exposes and he reveals. Saints, it is time for us to, to rise up. If we really want to see change within our society, if you really want to see change within our places of influence, it comes from us assuming the position and attitudes in the Beatitudes. And that's why I talked about them. And the best thing you can do to get there, don't, don't go try work on hungering for righteousness or mourning. Yield to the King. 
So God, I, I, I give you my life. I, I let myself go sometimes. But I just need you to, to, to know that I'm here to have your way. And it's a better place. I'm going to ask the altar ministry team to just... Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.